You are Locked On NBA Draft, your daily podcast on the NBA Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up? What is up? This is Raphael with NBA Draft Junkies on Locked On NBA Draft. And before I get into the show, this episode is brought to you by Thursdays on Locked On NBA. Thursdays on Locked On NBA podcast hosts Jackson Gatlin and Matt Moore have analysis of the biggest NBA headlines. So follow the Locked On NBA podcast today, wherever you get your podcast. And my guest today is Max Feldman. He's probably my most frequent guest that I have on the show. And Max is back in school, so he's, he could give us some, some intel if, if we need. But he is one of the best, and I've said it in every episode, one of the best up-and-coming minds in this whole draft space. Definitely is an expert on the AU game. But today I want to have him on, and I guess you can say this is an emergency pod, even though it is my regularly scheduled day, but... The big news for today is Imani Bates has signed with the University of Memphis, going to play for Penny Hardaway and Larry Brown and my guy Cody Toppert. So that's why I had to have Max on to give me his thoughts on that. So, Max, first of all, how's everything going for you? And what were your thoughts on just the whole Imani Bates situation, him reclassifying, having to spend two years before he can go to the draft and and what are your thoughts on him going to Memphis? Yeah, it's great to be back. Thank you for having me once again. Um, with the whole Imani situation, I think the biggest surprise for me is not necessarily landing in Memphis. I think uh, right when he committed to Michigan State, however long ago it was. Seems uh, like forever ago. Forever ago. But I put out a tweet and I was talking to some people and I immediately thought there's no chance he ever plays a game at Michigan State. Um Obviously, a lot of stuff has changed with the NIL since then, but I think his approach in terms of not being eligible for the NBA draft next year, but still making the move now is probably the most intriguing part to me. Um, Memphis, uh, there's been a lot of momentum since Penny Hardaway arrived there as a head coach. Um, they, I put out a tweet earlier today. They've had, since Penny uh, arrived back as the head coach, in the three full recruiting cycles, he's already uh, signed three out of the top four highest rated recruits in their program history, which is not a random program. They've had uh, Tyreek Evans, Derek Rose. They've had a lot of big recruits in the past. So uh, he's done damage early and Imani Bates, Jalen Duran, that's going to be a blast to watch. And I'm, I think at this point, I'm more intrigued to see what Imani's next step past this year is going to be. So you've said they signed three of the four? Yeah, so Jalen Duran is Jalen Duran's their fourth highest rated recruit. Imani Bates is the second, and then James Wiseman is still the first. Over Derrick Rose and Dewan Wagner. Derrick Rose is three. I want to say Tyreek Evans is five, and then Dewan Wagner is six, I believe. That's interesting. I would have thought Rose was 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 number one. I mean, he was so hyped coming out. So, all right, in your opinion, why? Would Amani choose Memphis over overtime elite and the G League? I think there was a lot of play here, and I think probably a lot of stuff that the public will never necessarily know whether it was 
rumors of FedEx's poll being you, involved. You, you, you know, that's that's the first thing I thought of. Exactly. I just thought FedEx, FedEx, <laughs> and FedEx. So yeah. So I think uh, there's a lot. There's a lot we probably don't know. I think obviously the relationship with Jalen Duran helps, and having yeah. the it's such a unique situation where he has two years uh, till he can become eligible. So. I think probably the most projected route right now is a year in college, a year in the G League, make a lot of money probably before he even steps on an NBA floor. So I think he opened a lot of doors with that. And I think Memphis, I don't think it was necessarily as much Memphis as just a strong opportunity for him to play alongside a friend, make money, uh, play some college basketball as that's something that he wanted to do for a long time. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense on one end simply because, you know, the relationship he has with Jalen and they played together briefly this summer. And you probably know more about that than I do. It was it just planned for them just to play for those short tournaments. And then because I, I, I thought I think we talked about it on a previous podcast. I thought he was leaving the Bates fundamental. I thought that program was done. And then they end up playing at the EYBL. So what do you think of those two guys as a combination? From, from what you saw this summer? Yeah, I think it's going to be very interesting. And even before Jalen Duran, even before Amani Bates, um, this recruiting class for Memphis was great. Like, I loved what they were doing in terms of stockpiling wings. And it was something that Penny Hardaway talked about before the summer, I want to say, about really infusing that NBA mentality of just stockpiling wings, bringing in versatile guys, playing long athletes beside uh, outside of a ball handler and stretching the floor five guys out. So I think it's going to be super interesting in terms of just having two extremely talented guys who can do a lot of different things. I think Jalen Duran has displayed the ability to be like a legitimate post hub and make plays for other guys. And I think the the big thing that's been coming out over the last few hours is just Penny Hardaway selling to Amani Bates, the ability to have the ball in his hands and initiate offense. So I think between that and then having I think, in my opinion, a few other NBA guys on this roster, it's going to be a blast to watch. It might not always be the prettiest in terms of spacing and offensive initiation, but the talent is honestly unrivaled in the country. That was my next question. What What do you think about him being the initiator and playing point guard? I think we actually talk, I talked about this with you uh, last time I was on, but everyone was really putting down Amani's development and questioning uh, what what has really stood out or how he's improved since three years ago, since he burst onto the scene. And the biggest thing that I saw at Peace Jam and before with Team Final and everything has been his playmaking. I think he's really improved as a playmaker. Um, he's always had a little bit of trouble playing low to the ground, and he has a little bit of a, a strange approach in terms of his ball handling and his, his, struck, his body frame, obviously. He's always had a few question marks, but I think his playmaking has vastly improved, and I think uh, the public eye will probably see that a little bit more. And I think being under Penny Hardaway will obviously help a ton with that. Yep. Final question. And I know you, you, you got a lot of stuff to do. So I thank you for coming on for this, I guess, uh, emergency pod. What is Memphis ranked as of right now coming into the college basketball season on the Max Feldman front office gurus team rankings? Where, where do you have Memphis ranked? I have yet to really take a hard look at it, but I think it would be hard to argue they're not a top 10 team in the country just with their talent. Um, obviously, being in the American, they should 
be the best team in, in the conference. Probably will have a lot of great battles with Houston, some other schools there, but I think it'd be hard to argue with their level of talent alone, looking at the roster, even outside of the two standouts, I think it's pretty hard to argue. They're not a top 10 team in the country. I mean, you can really say three standouts because the kid that slips my mind from uh, my era, was it Timberlake? Yeah. I keep, I want to say Timberland, but he was a projected first round pick around this time last year. So is do you think and i know i said it was the last question but do you think they're gonna have too many mouths to feed yeah i also just even before i came on i also want to name drop J- josh Manat because that's a guy that i've been really high on for about a year and i was really excited to watch this year but i don't think we'll even be able to see a lot of him um i think he has a lot of nba tools he can be a guy that bursts on the scene probably won't be this year anymore but between Timberlake, Josh Minot, um, Landers Noli also, Chandler Lawson's been a guy that uh, I watched a ton of at Oregon. He, coming back home to Memphis, he's a great player also. So their talent level is pretty crazy at this yeah, point. I, I forgot about uh, Lawson. And at one point, wasn't he the guy that they thought was going to be the program changer? And Both I, Lawson I, brothers, him yeah. and his brother. Yep. All right, man. Well, thanks a lot for, for coming on for this uh, this emergency episode. Where can the audience reach you at? Uh, my daily stuff is at, at Max Feldman 6 on Twitter. And then uh, my posts are at frontofficegurus.com. All right. Once again, this is Raphael, NBA Draft Junkies, with my guest, Max Feldman from Front Office Gurus. And when we return, I'll talk about a few of the international prospects that I have been covering for not only the 22 NBA draft, but 23 and even 24. All right, I would like to talk to you about Sweat Block. Now, I'll tell you my reasons why I like Sweat Block, but it is doctor created, it is doctor recommended, it works for up to seven days per use, guarantees you a dry shirt. If Sweat Block doesn't keep you dry, you can get your money back. It is featured and tested on the Rachel Ray Show. By Firefighters, it's the bestseller on Amazon for the past 10 years, has over 13,000 reviews, and it is also manufactured in the USA. Sweat block is, I mean, it basically keeps you dry. I was in Vegas, and you know how hot Vegas is. Vegas is ridiculously hot in July, and with sweat block, it's something that you have to have in your toiletry bag, whether it's you're going on a hot date or you're going into a hot city like Vegas. Right? I live in Dallas where it's super hot in the summertime. Here's a few things that I want you to know about sweat block. It is stronger and it's more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. You simply just apply it at night before bedtime. And you go to bed and the next morning you wake up, you wash and you go about your day without having to worry about being sweaty. Guaranteed. It keeps you dry. I know it sounds too good to be true, but you literally only have to use sweat blocks once or twice a week, and it would keep you dry the whole time. No more pitting out. No more picking my shirts based off of which one will hide the sweat better. I know, like, I have a tendency to wear black in the summertime because I don't want to wear gray because, you know, you get a bunch of pit stains when you wear gray. Or, or you, you look, you know, your, your armpits look wet. So, yeah, I can wear gray shirts in the summertime. So if there's someone that you love that is dealing with this, check out Sweatblock. You can get 20% off at sweatblock.com. Use the promo code Locked On, or you can find it on Amazon at or at CVS. All right, we just spent the first segment talking about Imani Bates 
and I want to start this second half of the show, and I want to cover a few of the international prospects that I've had a chance to really take a deep dive into their film and just kind of really study their game. A lot of people may think this is a dead time, but for me, it's a lot going on. You have all the international tournaments going on. You have like the Euro Challengers and under 16, under 18. So I've been really, really trying to watch a lot of film. I mean, every year I want to get better. And I really don't have a problem of sharing my goals or my dreams, but I really have like this goal of being the best international scout. So I'm like, when I say I'm really focused on making this happen, I'm focused. So I I watch a lot of videos. I've been breaking down videos. I've put up maybe four or five videos on my YouTube channel. So if you haven't had a chance to check it out, go to NBADraftJunkies.com on YouTube. I finally updated my website. I'm a one-man band, so between, like, watching the videos, creating the content, putting them on YouTube, and so on, I had kind of been slacking on my website. I want to say I only updated it maybe, like, four times before the draft. But now that's going to change. I've updated it more this week than I had all year. So every year I want to just get better, push myself. I want to have as many profiles of the the prospects. And I mean, I haven't fully I haven't fully committed to it yet, but I think right now what I plan on doing is maybe like the first 6 months of the year or 6 months of basketball season, which For me, basketball season actually starts right after the draft. I'm going to focus on the international guys. And then maybe around late January, February, I'll have enough games of the college players, G League guys, overtime guys, and I really, you know, really like get into their film. So anyway, I... um, I finally decided, and I'm not going to say I wasn't familiar with Victor Wimbayana, who arguably is the competitor that Imani Bates will face for the number one pick in 2023. But I've, like I said, I've known the name for years. I've watched a little bit of his film, but I recently took time to just take, like when I say a deep dive, just watch as much film on him as possible. And the kid is worth all the hype. Everything that you've heard about him being like this, you know, the most hype prospect coming out of Europe since Luka Doncic. To me, it's it's definitely well deserved. I mean, when I when I watch his film, I see like this extremely skilled big that could dominate a game on the defensive end alone. I mean, he's mobile, he's fluid, agile, athletic. Is like the perfect modern day center for the NBA just because he's able to switch. He has the length to you know, at least defend a lot of guards stride for stride, but then he's such a phenomenal shot blocker. I mean, he's a great shot blocker. At the under-19 World Cup, he averaged, check this out, 5.7 blocks per game. Yeah, 5.7 blocks per game. And I made a comment on, on a YouTube video that I did that his arms are, are as long as the lines to get into the Louvre in Paris on a weekend. If you've ever been to Paris and ever been to the Louvre, no matter what time you go, if you try to get there before they open up, it's at least an hour wait. I went 
maybe about four or five years ago, got there super early, probably eight o'clock in the morning, and the line was super long. And this was on a random day in the middle of the summer. I don't even say it was summer, it's like May. But when Bayana's arms are that long, he has a seven eight wingspan. Again, on top of the fact that he's athletic, has the quick twitch muscles and all that. So just defensively alone, I think he would be worth being the number one pick in most drafts. Offensively, he's he's got some skills there. Don't don't get me wrong. This is not a guy where we're talking about a defensive presence that is raw on the offensive end. It's just like a vertical lap threat. No, this kid has skills on the block. He has good touch around the rim. He's a good role man. I mean, he has the agility to be effective in the short roll, rolling hard to the rim. He's active. He draws a lot of fouls. Um, he's very good on the offensive glass. And another, I mean, I guess the swing skill for him, if there is a such thing as a swing skill, but I say for him, the swing skill puts him into like this crazy, crazy elite category of something that we've probably never seen before. But he has plenty of upside as a shooter. He can knock down shots. I mean, the touches there. I know like he shot like 80% from the free throw line or something like that. So the touch is definitely there. And I went out on the limb on, on the, the video I did for YouTube. Best case scenario. I mean, we're talking like New York Knicks. Porzingis and even like Dallas Mavericks Porzingis averaged 20 and 8 this year I mean everybody's so down on him because he didn't have a good playoffs but we're talking like all-star Porzingis with Rudy Gobert's defensive impact that type of player right there is probably an MVP candidate but he may even be better than that if he can continue develop continue to develop as a shooter he has a chance of being somewhere in the Carl Anthony Towns range. As crazy as that may sound, not now, it sounds crazy because you can make a case and say Carl Anthony Towns is the best seven foot shooter in NBA history. I mean, some will say Dirk, but if you just go by the percentage, this cat is like on a, on another level. But if Wimbenyama can just fall a little bit beneath that, then I mean, we're talking like a generational franchise changing talent. Of course, it's early. He's 17 years old. He played at the under-19s, what, last month. And he's still young enough to where he could play in that tournament again in two years. But just based off of what I've seen and the projection, I mean, this kid is really special. The The areas that i like to see him improve on, and this is so, so cliche to mention it, but he needs to bulk up and get stronger. He's really, really skinny. He's really thin, but he plays tough. Like, that's one of the things that I do like about him. He's not afraid to throw his little skinny frame around, which leads to him settling for a lot of jump shots. I think if there is a, a, a weakness on the offensive end is that he sometimes settles for jump shots, and I think that has to do with, the, um, you know, I'm saying lack of strength and bulk. Sometimes the, the physicality makes him settle for tough shots. But I'm really, really looking forward to watching him play this year. He'll be on a EuroLeague team. How many minutes is he going to get? I don't know. But he's probably going to be the most intriguing prospect in Europe as far as just seeing how he plays against not only grown men, but like grown men in the second toughest league in the world outside of the NBA. 
Another area that I would say I would like to see him make some improvements on is that, and this is really, really nitpicking because I've watched a lot of film, but there's some times where he doesn't always sprint the floor in transition. And I probably would not have noticed it as much if I didn't watch his film right after watching Yannick Sosa's film. And I mentioned Sosa maybe about two or three episodes back. And he's someone who I think has a chance to be a top five, definitely a top 10 pick in the 2022 NBA draft. And one of the things that Sosa does really well is that he plays hard every single play. Not saying Wimbayama doesn't, but it, Sosa is, if he gets a rebound, one of he's, he's not looking to ever trail. He is running the lanes down the middle as hard as he can. And he gets a lot of easy buckets just off of energy and activity, especially in the open floor. And he, he has the quickness of a, of a wing. And so maybe because I spent so much time watching his film, I didn't get a chance or or I overanalyzed Wimbayama's film. Not Wimbayama can't score in transition, but Sosa is just on a different level. All right. When I return, I mean, I was a whole segment on Victor Wimbayama. But when I return, I want to talk about a few of the other prospects that I had a chance to watch. Um, I know Wimbayama is 2023 and so is Imani Bates. But there's a couple guys that I want to talk about that. I think could be drafted in 22, but also 2024 and 2025. Like, like I said, I'm, I'm really taking a deep dive and trying to, I mean, just really, really like put myself in position to, to be the top international prospect. So I'm watching 16U. I'm watching guys born in 2006, which sounds crazy to me because I was an adult in 2006. So stay tuned. I have a few prospects from the 22, 20, and 24 NBA drafts coming up. All right, if you've been listening to my podcast for a while, which I hope that you have, but if not, and you're a new listener, then I have to tell you about Built Bar. You guys that have been listening know how I feel about Built Bar. It is the best tasting protein bar on the market, and it's the best tasting because it tastes just like a candy bar. It has a lot of different flavors. There's something for everyone. So when you talk about a person like myself that's a Built Bar fan, we love to talk about our favorites. If you don't know the Built Bar flavors, there's coconut, cherry barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, and also German chocolate. I'm still eating the box that I received from the live draft show. And it has a lot of the salted caramel in there. But that's that's the flavor that I've been eating at least twice a day. I still have about 20 left. So that's how big the the box was. But the reason I love it is because, like I said, it is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. It has 17 to 18 grams of protein. The calories are ranging from 130 to 180. Only 4 to 5 grams of sugar. And only 4 or 5 grams net carbs. It's amazing flavors. All tasty, all healthy. Order today, you can get your grasshopper cookie or your raspberry, whatever you like. And Built Bar was the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. So go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED, and you'll get 15% off your order. Use the promo code LOCKED, and you'll get 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Next, let's talk about BetOnline, which is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at BetOnline. You can get all the latest news, odds, and info for your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, and even UFC and MMA action before the next pitch. 
Go over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Do not sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as your teams prep for their runs for the playoffs and even your teams are preparing for the start of football season. I'm a Bengals fan and, um, you know, football, Bengals, playoffs. I don't know if those words usually go together. But head to the website. Use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sports book experts, and the promo code is locked on. One, two, and three. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. The host, Peter Bukowski, updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. All right, back again. And now I just want to talk about a few prospects that I've been studying film on and and watching. And uh, I mentioned that, um, talked about Wimbayama and... Imani Bates in 2023. I want to talk about a couple guys next that I think we'll hear their names drafted in 2022. And the first player that I want to talk about is Usman Dang from France. Usman will be playing for the New Zealand Breakers this season. And just a, a, a pure coincidence, crazy story. I was in LA a couple of weeks ago and a friend of mine was playing pickup basketball. So I went to go watch him play and, um, I want to say like Kevin Looney was there, John Lucas that that used to play in the NBA. He was playing. I think it was a run that he was organizing. So it was a few college players, a few guys that maybe some high school guys and some guys that are fresh out of college. And Usman Dang was there. Like I knew the name. I was familiar with him. I was wondering why he didn't play for France at the under-19 team, which, you know, if he would have played, I, I really think France would have gave Team USA a run for their money. I mean, you can really make a case and say that if Wimbenyama doesn't get in foul trouble because Kenny Lofton had a, a great fourth quarter, a great second half, France may have won that game. And if Dang played, then it might have been a different situation. I don't know if if was a fifth, you know, that you know that whole story. But Team USA did win. But if France could have possibly had two guys that are, you know, first round lottery picks. I mean, Wimbayama's as of right now going to be the first pick in 2023. And then dang, I think has a chance to be a top 10 pick in this year's draft. So I had a chance to watch him play. I wouldn't say it was like a dominant performance in pickup basketball. I think that he had worked out earlier in the day and it was kind of like the, the tail end of the, of the game. So guys were just kind of going through the motions, but in that brief time that I saw him play maybe two or three games, I, I saw firsthand, live and in color, why NBA scouts are so intrigued with his game. 6'9", about 185, and he has all the physical tools that you look for in a modern-day wing. He's mobile, he's fluid, he's fast in the open floor, decent first step, good handle. I think his skill set that has everybody intrigued is his shot creation ability. I mean, he has what it takes to as far as like the physical tools and the handle to be able to be a great pull-up shooter. And that's pretty much his bread and butter right now is that he is a really good shot creator as far as being able to pull up and shoot over the top of smaller guards. I know that there's been a lot of comparisons to Paul George, and I think those comparisons were even intensified 
when there was a, a picture or a video posted maybe a week or so ago where him and Paul George were working out. I think there's a connection there with CAA. They share the same agent. The guy that had that I came to watch, he made the comparison to Michael Porter Jr. So, you know, if, if you if you can visualize, it's it's a similar six nine, six ten ball handler guy that can just create his own shot. So that's Usman Dang. Now, his film is not as accessible to watch. Like Adidas Next Generation tournament games, some of them are on on YouTube. He didn't play this year. I had to like really do some digging to find his film. And I even had to go back until the under 16s back like two years ago just to really, I guess, figure out his game and just kind of study it. And again, the talent is there. Big wing initiator that can create his own shot. Has a, a nice stroke. So he projects to be a really good shooter. Only 18 years old. So he has plenty of time. However, the numbers in the game are, I mean, they're telling two different stories. So when I look at his stats, he played 21 games in the 2021 season, averaged 12.6 points per game. And this is in like France's, I guess you can say it's their third division. But 12.6 points, 5.5 rebounds, a little more than two and a half assists. But the efficiency was, you know, honestly just wasn't good. 33.7% from the floor. 27% from three. If there is one major knock I have on him is that he does not get to the foul line enough. In 29 minutes, he only averaged two free throw attempts per game. And just watching this film, I see that he settles for a lot of jumpers. It's weird because it's the thing that I like about his game. It's the skill set that I think is going to help him become a top five pick. But also... I would like to see a little bit more downhill attacking, a little bit more assertiveness. And just based off of all the film that I've been able to watch, I don't really see it. Also, the year before, which was the 2019-2020 season, he played at the Adidas Next Generation Tournament, which is a very, very good tournament if you're into international basketball. Numbers were pretty similar as they were last year, about 12.7 points per game, five rebounds, two assists. He gets a couple steals per game. Maybe around a block, but the numbers just weren't efficient. 34% from the floor, 31% from three, and only 1.5 free throw attempts per game. So, again, if there's an area that I would like to see him improve on is being more of a slasher, using his skills. I mean, he has great physical tools, but using his skill set to get downhill and become a little bit more aggressive and not shoot so many jumpers because I would probably guess, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, I would guess 70% of his attempts are either pull-ups or catch-and-shoot threes. And I can say the numbers aren't necessarily there, but the skill set and just the talent and passing the eye test, he definitely has what it takes and I, and I see why that you know scouts are so high on him and projecting him to be a lottery pick in 2022 curious to see how he plays in New Zealand with the situation with the New Zealand breakers because that was RJ Hampton was in a similar situation he projected as a lottery pick goes to New Zealand has to play like a totally different role that he's than he's used to they basically just had him standing in the corner not having the ball in his hands And I think it really, really impacted his draft stock. But I can go on forever. There's a few guys that I wanted to talk about, but I guess I have to save them for another time. Again, this is Raphael with NBA Draft Junkies. You're listening to Locked On NBA Draft. 
please check out my website nbadraftjunkies.com i am going to do a better job of updating it i've been slacking and you know every year i want to try to get better so this year my goal is to have more in-depth profiles more videos i'm trying to do three videos a week with all voiceovers um which takes a lot of time probably five six hours of video gotta watch the film gotta edit the film then i gotta do the voiceover to match what i'm saying to basically prove what i'm trying to say so i'm trying to do three videos a week if i do three videos a week then i could end up with maybe like 130 140 prospect videos between now and the 2020 22 nba draft best case scenario if i do end up going to europe i'm gonna do some vlogs just gonna like put myself in position to be the go-to guy like i really want to be the go-to guy that people go for that people when they want information about international prospects i want to be that guy so once again it's rafael nba draft junkies locked on nba draft signing out and i am out